If you consider yourself a type A personality and you're now in a leadership role, there are a few things that you want to pay attention to. There's a shadow side to being type A, although it's probably those strengths, those type A strengths, that created much of the success in your life and likely helped you get promoted. In this episode, we're going to talk about the good and the bad of the type A leader and what you want to pay really close attention to. Here's the question. How do you successfully transition into your first official leadership role, build the confidence and competence to lead your team effectively and establish yourself as a respected and trusted leader across the organization? That's the question, and this show provides the answers. Welcome to the Manager Track Podcast. I'm your host, Ramona Shaw, and I'm on a mission to create workplaces where work is not seen as a source of stress, but as a source of contribution, connection, and fulfillment. And this transition starts with developing a new generation of leaders. I'm a leadership coach, a mom of three, a coffee lover, and a travel enthusiast. Stick around because in this show, you'll learn how to think, communicate, and act to become a confident, high-performing leader people love to work with. Let's go. Welcome to this episode of the Manager Track Podcast. I hope you're doing well. I'm excited for this solo episode. The last few episodes were either with guests or in kind of an interview conversation. But today, I want to talk to you about being a type A leader and the sunny side as well as the shadow side of being a type A leader. But before I do, I want to let you know that we're kicking off a new group in the Leadership Accelerator program every month. In the program, you get on-demand training videos, but then it's a good amount of personalization. There are a couple of one-on-one coaching calls, and then every week we meet as a group to talk about current challenges. What I find interesting is that the people who graduate from the program often are surprised by how much they loved and benefited from those social interactions, those group interactions, and seeing how other leaders are challenged with similar things and learning from each other. And so by the time this podcast goes live, we'll be in the process of forming the group for March with a March 1st start date, which if you've been on the fence and you've been considering doing a program like this and investing in your leadership training and development, then March might be the perfect time for you to get started. It's going to run from March through May, which also means you'll be done during the summer. For a lot of people, March seems to be the great time to do so. And I hope you'll join us. Check it out at RamonaShaw.com forward slash leadership dash accelerator or head on over to RamonaShaw.com forward slash apply and we'll jump on a call to talk about it and make sure that this is actually the right program for you. Okay, so with that said, let's talk about type A and type B personalities. Here's a bit of a fun fact or a story, which I thought was interesting because I didn't know that until I actually started doing some research for this podcast. Did you know where the terms type A or type B personalities actually comes from? Well, here is the story in a nutshell. Uh, There are two cardiologists, uh, Dr. Friedman and Roseman, in the 1970s, they had a shared waiting room and they noticed that the furniture in the waiting room got worn out way faster than anticipated. So they had an upholsterer come and uh, replace the fabric And that person said, that's really interesting because the way that this furniture is being worn out is very unusual. 
It's as if people on these chairs would only be sitting at the edge of their seat. And that planted a seed in these cardiologists' minds. And although it took about five years for them to actually study this, they then discovered that the people who come to see them, so those people with heart problems, tend to be type A personalities, tend to be people who are sort of on the edge and they have a lot more urgency and passion in them and they don't tend to sit back or lean back as much as an average person would. And that's how they got into this research and ultimately called these two groups of people in their study type A versus type B personality. Now, in anything and every time we look at different personality types, it's always a spectrum. We're never putting someone into a box. And I think this is very important here too. So if you think about where you land on this spectrum between type A, which by the way is someone who identifies as being highly organized, analytical, they tend to follow rules, they're ambitious, they like checking the box, scratching things off their to-do list and doing so fast. They have a sense of urgency and they're really passionate and enthusiastic. Type B personalities tend to be a little bit more laid back, flexible, more even keeled and adaptable compared to type A's. But again, this is very much a spectrum. So think about type A, hardcore type A being at a 10 and hardcore type B being at a 1. Where would you fall? What kind of rating would you give yourself? I would probably say for myself, I think I, I might be like at a 7. I think that in my past career, <laughs> I was maybe more than that. But now I'm a lot more even keeled. So with that said, there, the one thing is it's a spectrum. The other thing is that just because we have certain tendencies and maybe natural preferences or a natural style doesn't mean that that's the way we're going to show up. So a big part of leadership development, professional development, personal development is to recognize when are certain behaviors or certain strength actually serving us and when are they getting in the way? And when we look at strength, for example, there are tons of different strengths and we all have the ability to tap into them and do leverage one versus the other. We don't have to be at the effect of only what we innately lean towards or what comes most natural to us. And that's really important here because when we look at being type A, there are a lot of um, really positive attributes that come with it. And I said that in the introduction, it's very likely that if you resonate with this term that you would say, yeah, actually me being type A made me really successful. It got me where I am today. So why would I want to give this up? Very fair question. Now, reason why I want to talk about this is because what got you here won't get you there. That's one. And also in order to be more aware and intentional and effective, we have to look at the shadow side of any behavior. There's always the good and there's always a bad side. Or on that spectrum, again, there are benefits and then there are situations and times where this does not serve us. For example, the way that I see this show up in coaching conversations and otherwise is type A personalities tend to be more prone to burnout. They tend to feel more stressed because of the pressure that they put on them. They sometimes, not always, but they tend to have some perfectionism going and they also tend to be more self-critical than their type B counterparts or someone who would rank on that lower side of the scale, that 1 to 10 scale. And then on the other hand, when we think about type B personalities, 
They may procrastinate more than a type A personality. They may not feel a sense of urgency or aren't able to exude this type of enthusiasm and passion. They may also not see the importance of setting high standards and encouraging accountability on the team. So as you can see, on either of those sides and wherever you land, there are things that will be helpful and then there are things that will probably not be helpful, especially in a leadership role. You have to reconsider what's working and what isn't working. And that's key. If whenever you move into a new level in your career, you take on a bigger responsibility, you shift the job, you change the company, even if you start working with a new boss, at any moment when something like this changes in your external environment, you want to check and evaluate what is working here and what isn't and how do I need to adapt my strength and my behaviors in order to be more effective. So if type A leaders aren't aware of their tendencies, then this could easily create blind spots in the way that they lead. For example, uh, type A leaders may be perceived as being very impatient. Their communication may be coming across as aggressive. They may seem to make rash decisions. They may even be perceived as someone who gets irritated easily or who's always stressed out and it's always super urgent. And that can feel draining to a team. It can also lead to the situation where uh, a type A personality may have a hard time delegating because that, that could feel like a loss of control. They may not be flexible in the sense that they would not allow their team members to deviate from what they would be doing or following their own process which then feels disempowering to the employee because they feel that it's the only way to go and the only way to be successful here is to do it exactly like the boss says. And that is not very motivating. And it will be hard for this kind of leader to retain their talent, especially the highly talented people who really want to contribute in their own personal way. And then as previously mentioned, there is a bit of a tendency in type A personalities and type A leaders to be pretty self-critical. And for most people, not for all, but for most people who are very self-critical, they're usually also critical with other people. Because what's going on inside of us, that inner world is usually reflected in our outer world. So we have high standards on other people. Um, we're quick to form a judgment. And then when we're doing something wrong or when we feel we have a loss of control, it becomes challenging and it feels stressful and that inner negative self-talk starts to pile up and feel really heavy on our shoulders. So those are all the times when being a type A leader can actually slow you down, hold you back, make it harder than it needs to be, be this in leading your team members, but also for your own self-leadership. So I do have some suggestions, some ideas on helping you become a more balanced or a more intentional type A leader where you can recognize what's working and what isn't working. Specifically, I have five things, five suggestions for you. The first one is that when you delegate, you want to decide ahead of time what good enough looks like. Yes, good enough is not equal to perfect. So what is it that is really required and needs to be done exactly like you expected? And what can you let go of? What is it that you're going to be flexible about? And it may not look exactly like you wanted it, but it's going to be good enough. For example, if you ask someone on your team to come up with a presentation for a training session or for a team event or for a client, a sales call, you might say it's good enough when it's in a logical structure that there's an intro 
there are a few points in the middle and then there's a conclusion section at the end. And if all the data in the slide deck is correct and accurate, you might let go of the design, of the level of detail, of the formatting of the slide. You say, you know what, I'm going to let that be up to them. It's going to look different than I would do it, but that is okay. At least they feel good about having had a say, putting their own creative spin on it and doing it their way. They're going to own the product and the outcome that are deliverable so much more and feel a lot more motivated doing it than if they completely dictate and correct them all along in order to create exactly the kind of presentation that I would have created. So deciding ahead of time what good enough looks like. Then next one is to stick with that and to monitor your own self-talk because it's easy to say, okay, this is what's good enough. But then when you actually see it, you probably will feel pulled into wanting to correct it and wanting to make it the way that you want to have it. Control the process, control the outcome is what you're used to. So it's natural that it feels really uncomfortable to let go. You might worry, you might have some fear of it being embarrassing or not being good enough or it reflecting poorly on your reputation. And having that kind of discomfort doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. It just means you're stepping into new territory and you're letting go more than you're used to. And that is going to come 100% with a level of discomfort. So anticipate it. And then instead of holding on too tight again and involving yourself more than you should, uh, you at that moment want to practice flexibility and manage your mind along the way. The third one is to practice compassion. It starts with self-compassion. Being okay not making things perfect. Being okay pushing deadlines back. With being okay with having it be messy in the moment. And instead of being self-critical, to be compassionate. Say, look, I got a lot of things going on. I'm going to let a few things slip. I have moments and still do where I want the house to be super clean and then it's going to be messy especially our new floor that is really light. I love it. But the dog's paw prints are always everywhere. And I'm going to have to just let that be. I decided it's not going to be worth my time if I keep cleaning like a maniac here and always want to get those paw prints off the floor. I'm going to let that be. I'm going to feel uncomfortable. I'm going to not like it. But I am very intentional knowing that if I keep obsessing about this, it's just going to add more stress. And so that's just one example from my private life. But there are many examples on the professional side as well. And I'm sure that you'll find some of them too, where you can recognize like, okay, I'm going to be kind to myself. I'm going to let that go. I'm going to be compassionate if something goes wrong or isn't exactly like I wanted it. That's part of the process. And then step two of this is to also be compassionate with other people. They may not have the same level of experience, the same knowledge that you do, or the same approach to work. Be understanding, respect them for that, respect their own churning, where they're at, what they can do, and demonstrate compassion. The fourth one is to practice emotional maturity and emotional responsibility, especially if you're a type A leader who tends to get irritated or impatient with other people. Sometimes we actually feel sort of justified with the impatience because it just literally takes too long or we feel justified for being irritated because someone seems to be pushing our buttons. And then isn't it the most appropriate response to get irritated? Well, 
If the answer is yes, then we would not be practicing emotional maturity. Emotional maturity and emotional responsibility means that we are taking responsibility for our own emotional lives. There's always another way to react. There's always a different way to look at it. And there are plenty of role models out there. And I often imagine Dalai Lama in my shoes. And I think Dalai Lama will probably not be rolling eyes. Dalai Lama will probably not be impatient or frustrated with this. There's always an option to how we respond. There is a space between stimuli and response, like Viktor Frankl famously said. And emotional responsibility means to understand that we are in charge of that space and our own response. So being impatient is never the appropriate response. Being harsh or being easily irritated is also not the appropriate response. For you to develop this emotional immaturity is even more important as a leader because your team members are heavily influenced by your mood. They will mirror your mood and you're setting the tone. It's like you have a megaphone in your hand. This, by the way, is a very common part of what I do with coaching clients in order to help them regain control, be a lot less reactive, not on a tactical, not only in a tactical way, but also in an emotional way to what other people say and do and ask of them and for them to feel in charge of their own lives, their own emotional lives and their responses to what's going on on the outside. Once you make that shift and you develop that skill and practice it, and you can get a way better handle of it, your leadership will reach a whole new level. It makes a huge, huge difference. And I think specifically for type A personalities and leaders, this is very, very important and almost inevitable work. You have to do it at some point. You can either sort of react, react, react until you simply will tap out and will not be ready for that next level of leadership or you keep repeating the patterns and then run into conflict over and over in similar situations or you get a hold of this in order to make sustainable lasting change. And then the fifth and final suggestion that I have and it ties in a little bit with that first one of letting go and letting go of control. What you want to focus on here is to instill confidence in people on your team you want to be their fan you want to make sure that they know that you trust them that they can do a good and good enough work and when you hover over them or you influence the process or dictate the process too much you're sending an indirect message that you're not trusting them you don't have confidence in them doing it good enough so being really really aware of that not only defining upfront what does good enough look like, but also really practicing on letting go and letting people do it their way. It's a huge way to motivate and engage your employees. Those are my five tips in order to mitigate the shadow side of being a type A leader. And of course, keep leveraging the strength, being well organized, being analytical, following rules or being ethical, being ambitious, being passionate, having a sense of urgency. Those can all be strength. It's when we are overdoing these strengths, just like we could turn up the music too loud, that's when they start being ineffective. And it's all about building the awareness of when is it that the music sounds great and we're all ready to dance and then when does it start hurting our ears and we're no longer enjoying ourselves. Where is that and how does that show up in your leadership approach? 
that's what we got today. I hope this I hope you enjoyed this episode and took some insights away for you. Whether or not you identify with being a type A leader, you might even have recognized some traits here or patterns that you see in your own boss or in some of the people on your team that will help you manage up or manage down more effectively. I do have one final announcement, which is that my LinkedIn course called Creating Behavioral Change That Lasts is now live. So if you have or your company has LinkedIn learning, go check it out. This is all intended to help you achieve any goals that you set that has to do and involves and requires for you to change some behaviors, which most goals require us to do. It's all about doing and trying new things and evolving as a human being or as a leader through this process. Again, it's called Creating Behavioral Change That Lasts and you'll find it on LinkedIn Learning. I'll also drop the link in the show notes down below. That's it for today. I'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. Ciao for now. If you love this show, then you'll love even more my free training for new managers. If you haven't watched this training yet, then I'll strongly encourage you to sign up at RamonaShaw.com forward slash masterclass. You'll discover the key shifts you'll need to make as a new manager and the number one most common mistake to avoid. Plus, you'll walk away with actionable tips that you can apply in your role right away. Go to RamonaShaw.com forward slash masterclass to sign up.